Sci-Fi for Me Radio presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is H2O. Welcome, everyone. This uh, late episode of H2O. My name is Jason Hunt. I am Timothy Harvey. Trying something a little bit different here for those of you who are watching on video. Um, we, we've been getting some feedback from people about uh, some different things that we've been doing and trying to, trying to experiment a little bit going into 2017. So if you're watching the video, you're seeing that it is a little bit of a different setup. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening uh, and don't see the picture, then why not? You should be, uh, you should be watching the video as well. Uh, unless you you're driving. Unless you're driving, yes. In which case, listening is just fine. That's it's right. It's all about situational awareness. Because if you were watching the video, you would see that I have a moose head on my microphone right now. But not on um, his head. No, not on my head. Not on my Nor head. Nor actually do I have... Squid head. Squid head on. Yes. Uh, we get a We get a box. We got a bo- $5,000. <laughs> 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 right? <laughs> Uh, for those of you who are wondering Wait, what that means, listen, you listen to the last on. week's episode. I may be, I may be persuaded to put this on for five thousand dollars. So we get a That's box. Not the deal. We got a box earlier this week. It was completely unexpected. It was from Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what? I didn't order anything. I was saying, and then I thought the only the only people that we know from Pennsylvania is Ray up in Allentown, who's yep. a regular listener, and he and he made our. I made our sign. Yes. One of the reasons why we're not going to change our name anytime soon. Um, uh, Actually, it's, it's a really good reason because it's, it's I know it's a great it's a this. great we sign. We love this yeah. so much. Right? We we did a big and we mentioned this last week. We did a big uh, I wouldn't call it exactly a company retreat, but basically a big staff meeting to talk about what we're going to do in twenty seventeen. Because we just came here. And, yeah, like we went up yeah, to like, yeah, we could retreat we anywhere. If we have five thousand dollars, <laughs> we could we could retreat. Um, but yeah, we uh, we were talking about you know the different things that we could do in twenty seventeen, and a couple of different people suggested rebranding, mm-hmm. which basically would be you know changing our identity, changing the logo, and the name, and all of this other stuff. And while there and, are certain aspects of that that are are not necessarily inapplicable to us. The ultimate sci-fi for me brand, the idea, the however, however we adapt and tweak ourselves as what we do changes with the industry and fandom and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about the sci-fi for me idea. They're just the idea itself is. is worth holding on to well if we market it right that's the yeah, that's yeah. the question we have to figure that part out but um there is a name that i would change it to but we're not going to get into that yet yeah. <laughs> so anyway this week we were uh, going to talk a little bit you do a kind of a pledge drive for our patreon account but uh there have been developments in the ongoing lawsuit litigation financial mess that is the Wizard World conventions. Yeah. And so we thought we'd take a moment and just kind of opine a little bit about what's going on there. This this is not the first time conventions have been subject to shenanigans. Uh, what was that one that we talked about a couple – was it a couple of years ago now? The, the one with the – the bouncy the, ball, the, the bouncy, but yeah, the yeah, ball pool. Oh, oh goodness, what yeah. was that guy? Uh, not uh, it wasn't Galacticon. Well, you Galacticon. Was yeah, it? it was yeah. Galacticon, yeah. and uh, that that was that was just a complete disaster. Um, and then of course Dragon Con, sure. the the hotel getting new carpet, which was a complete 
unmitigated disaster. Everybody, did you see though? That reminds me. People have started to post in the Dragon Con Facebook group. Have you seen the Spider-Man Homecoming mm-hmm. trailer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The shot where the vulture is coming down in that mm-hmm. building, that's the Dragon Con Marriott. Oh, wow, cool. And everybody was like, wait, what, 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 huh? That's, I, I. And, of course, you know, this is all supposed to happen in New York. Sure. And Washington, D.C. Okay, I will. And they shot a piece in Atlanta. We will, we will let you in on a little secret. Spoilers inside baseball. Many, many films are not shot where the action supposedly takes place. I realize this is a surprise, and it's ripping the curtain back on the mysteries of Hollywood, but the truth of the matter is... You have just destroyed my faith in humanity. I know. Well, you know, it's my job, actually. That's why I'm here. (laughs) No, I I didn't have faith in humanity to start with. What am I talking about? This This is actually... I'm looking at the picture here. This is actually starting to distract me a little bit, talking into the back of a moose head. So let me... uh, let me move that <laughs> because you know, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, Wizard World uh, has has had its share of issues. Now, talking, talking about branding, the Wizard branding, right? It has been around for a while. Yeah, well, yeah. It started off with a uh, as a magazine publisher, and it was kind of the comic book. Magazine for a while. With comic book and collectibles, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, it was. It, they were the the name. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody went to you know. Yeah, you had you Wizard. You, you, you had, picked it up. You, you had went Wizard. And you had Starlock. Mm-hmm. And um, Cinefantastique Comic Scene, mm-hmm. which was a Starlog publication. I mean, there were there were a lot of, but yeah, Wizard was one of the top uh, titles mm-hmm. back in the day. And and that was actually up until fairly recently in mm-hmm. terms of, I want to say, it's been, has it only been about 10 years? 10, something 12 like years, that. something like that, since they decided to, to roll up the magazine? Yeah. Well, and, the, and then they start, well, and you know, that's the same as with everything else, you know, online traffic, you know, online business ventures and, and, you know, getting your news for free everywhere just mm-hmm. pretty much killed all of the, all yeah, of the publicings, uh, publishing And stuff. especially for some of this stuff, you're... And this actually ties in this little uh, sidetrack into into print publishing. Your your margins of profit are fairly small yeah. on most print, and you're generally required to survive off advertising. And you see that very much now in when you can when you it's not always obvious just how expensive it is to put together a print publication. Oh right. And for those of you who go to conventions and don't realize necessarily how much it costs to run one of those or to keep them up and going in a way that is profitable or not ridiculously. Yeah. I mean uh, the the uh, margins lost. the margins on a on a convention are very very slim because in order to book particular guests and I don't I don't know if this is the case for every single one but there are certainly certainly the the marquee media guests you know sure. if you if you're going to hire William Shatner to come in and, and appear at your convention you have to guarantee a fee mm-hmm. you have to guarantee they will make x amount of dollars that weekend mm-hmm. and 
in order to guarantee it, basically what it is, the you know, say, well, say it's Shatner. Shatner comes in. He's been guaranteed $10,000, just to throw a number out there. It probably is probably higher. $10,000 for William Shatner to come in and appear at Planet Comic Con. Sure. And these are not re- these are not real numbers. I don't have any inside information. Which he did. So he actually has not, been to Planet Comic-Con. he's been to Planet. So so okay, yes, William Shatner, you come in ten thousand dollars. So William Shatner sits at his booth and he signs autographs. He sells autographs for mm-hmm. you know sixty bucks a pop. Sure. Pop 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 pop. He makes he sells a hundred of them. He makes six thousand dollars in autograph fees. In order for him to make his guaranteed ten thousand. The convention has to foot the bill for the balance. Right. So if he makes six thousand dollars in autograph fees, the other four thousand comes from the convention. So it's in the convention's best interest to get the lines really long, mm-hmm. and you sell a lot of autographs because otherwise it's coming out of the promoter's pocket. And it seems that. Wizard World has been hit with um, some fraudulent practices, let's say, allegedly. Allegedly. Yes. This report in the New York Post. We're going to go. We're going to go through the timeline here. I have my my handy dandy uh, laptop. Technical assistance. Ready. Yes. Technical assistance. So uh, this is uh, dated November sixth. And the New York Post is where this story broke. A comic convention. Um, Comic convention marketing exec raked in $1 million for himself by stealing celebrity signed merchandise from his own company and then selling it according to a lawsuit. Uh, And Bleeding Cool has all of the lawsuit documents. Uh, Basically, Wizard World filed suit against Stephen Seamus, who was one of their executives. And uh, according to the lawsuit... Uh, he basically was making arrangements for stars to come in mm-hmm. and coming in at a loss to Wizard World. Mm-hmm. So Wizard World was losing money on this stuff. And while the star celebrities were there, according to the lawsuit, Wizard World is accusing Seamus of taking those celebrities aside and getting signatures and autographs and collectibles in order for him to sell himself right to the tune of about a million dollars they think over a number of years this is letter uh this is the actual letter of termination from wizard world to seamus it goes through his lawyers it goes through the lawyers they were already lawyering up at that point uh so i'm reading here a quote uh well let me actually get where i can read it put my put my old man glasses on Stephen, this email is noticed that you are hereby terminated immediately as an officer and employee of Wizard World, Inc. You are forbidden to go to our offices in New York City or to attend or participate in any of our conventions. Please contact me. We'll make arrangements to return to you any personal items in your office. They didn't even, give him, they didn't even let him clean out his office. It was just like, you're done. Don't even come back in the building. You must return to Wizard World immediately any business records that you have in your possession, whether on a laptop, phone, or in paper form. Now, here's here's where we get into uh, the specifics of the accusations mm-hmm. according to Wizard World. 
For a period spanning some period of time, you have abdicated your responsibilities and have engaged in conduct that is insubordinate and damaging to the company. You have failed and refused to perform your duties as duly instructed by management. Additionally, you have failed and refused to communicate with management. Yesterday, when the CEO of the company sent you an email that communicated business issues and concerns, you instructed the CEO to deal with you through your attorney. So basically, the CEO sits there and says, hey, um, we probably should talk about some stuff. And Seamus goes, you probably should talk to my attorney. He was already, you know, defensive at that point, it sounds like. Uh, Additionally, it's come to our attention that for many years, you have engaged in a practice of utilizing the celebrities and talent hired by your employer, Wizard World, to enrich yourself. We understand that you have regularly arranged for celebrities under contract to Wizard World to create autographed and or collectible merchandise for the benefit and enrichment of yourself and your confederates. So Wizard World thinks that there are other people involved in this as well. We demand that all such material be immediately returned to Wizard World. We further demand that you provide us with a complete accounting of the funds generated from this unlawful practice. You are further instructed to preserve all records and data related to this activity, including emails and financial records. We have also learned that you have recently made extensive email deletions to your email address at our company. If you have a copy of these emails, the copy must be preserved. The destruction of our electronic data was clearly done to conceal your wrongdoing and to harm Wizard World. Our investigation into the matter is ongoing. This letter is written with a full reservation of our rights. Signed, John Mata, Chief Executive Officer. And Bleeding Cool also has a copy of the actual lawsuit documents. Mm -hmm. So you can actually go through and read point by point by point all of the different accusations that Wizard World is making against Stephen Seamus. Uh, and we'll link to this document, so we'll make a note here just so you can so you can actually read this. So basically, Wizard World is sitting there going, hey, Stephen, you haven't done your job. You've stolen from us. You're fired. Mm-hmm. Now, that was the beginning of all of this, right. as far as the public Right, now, and bear in mind that knows. for this to get to this point, there has to be quite a bit that has to have oh, yeah. happened ahead of this. Oh, yeah. This is not the kind of thing you... This is the kind of lawsuit you do not enter into unless you think you have a legitimate chance of winning. Right. Because it's a, it turns immediately into a PR thing. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, as soon as it goes public, it, everybody's looking at you going, what? what's going on here? Yeah. And it can, the blowback can be pretty nasty. Well, and, this, and, and it has been. Mm-hmm. And uh, not, not really from a public perception standpoint, but from the, from the standpoint of of uh, the financial blowback. Mm-hmm. So uh, this article here, this is the day after. This is Heidi McDonald in the Comics Beat. And she says, the situation appears to have been brewing for a while since Seamus produced a 2011 letter of an employment from his brother, Garib, who founded Wizard and demanded to be paid according to its terms. According to the suit, this letter is fraudulent, and when the current wizard management took exception, Stephen tried to delete all his company emails. So basically, Seamus was like, you're supposed to be paying me according to this. And Wizard World goes, no, we're not. And maybe at that point is when, you know, if that's from 2011, it, has this been going on for five years now that he's been skimming in order to to make up for what he thinks is you know him not getting paid. Well, not only that, but the question is is when did he produce this? When did he? Does it say when he produced that letter? 
uh, to them? Well, no, it okay, doesn't. The letter supposedly from 2011, but that doesn't mean it's when he gave it to right, them. Right, right. Um, but but since, yeah, that's that's a long he was, five years. He was fired on October 27th, the same day his brother resigned from the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Kenneth, Kenneth Seamus resigned as a member of the board of directors of Wizard World as well as from his position on the audit committee of the board effective immediately. The resignation is not the result of any disagreement with the company on any matter relating to the company's operations, policies, or practices. So did he did he quit in solidarity? You fired my brother, I quit. Or you fired my brother, I'm going to quit before you start looking at what I've done. Or even well, or the other the other option is you're firing my brother. I'm going to step away from this so that it's so that, I'm not caught in the fall. So I'm, well, I'm not caught in the fallback. So that I'm not used as a bargaining chip. So that I'm not used as you know, because it's really really easy to sit there and go, oh well, it's your brother and guilt by association, and were you yeah. in on this? But it could very easily be him going, hang on, I'm just going to step back and let this do yep. its thing, and I'm going to be over here going. Great. Yeah. Didn't I start this? Wasn't well, the goal to make this a cool thing? And now it's... Wizard, Wizard founder Garab Seamus. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Stephen Seamus, been with the company for 25 years. Based on tweets for numerous former Wizard employees. Now, of course, mm -hmm. this is former employees, sure, so let's ca uh, qualify that. Uh, apparently, Stephen was highly unpopular among staff members. Uh, the suit also mentions, let's see, this is... Um, Filed suit. Okay, so this is the suit against Seamus. Mm -hmm. uh, also names uh, defendants John Doe's one through ten. Right. So you know their whole you know that Confederates thing. It's a conspiracy. Don't delete your emails. Right. We've yeah. been down this road before, haven't we? Has it ended well? It doesn't end well. It no. never ends well. Um, okay, so that was that was uh, that was November seventh. Now we've got a story here from November 22nd. This out of Newsarama. Headline, Wizard World warns stockholders of cash flow problems coming in 2017. Uh, Wizard World has notified stockholders that it has insufficient funds to operate on a long-term basis going into 2017. Specified as part of its quarterly SEC filings, the convention company lists a working capital of $2.5 million and some change, but with an accumulated deficit of $15.2 million. Yeah. yeah. You can't run a business like that. Well, only, only the government can run a business like well, that. Well, or the current president-elect. <clears throat> anyway. All right. To help mitigate the problem, the company's newly hired president, CEO, John Mata, and the board are beginning to seek outside funding through loans, equity investments, and cutting some operating costs. So they're doing damage control sure. inside. And it sounds like this this thing, you know, John Mata, it doesn't sound like he's been there very long. No, no. Newly hired generally means what relatively I'm, what like I'm the wondering, last year or so. Yeah. What I'm wondering is if Mata gets hired... Mata looks at the books and goes, wait a minute, what's been happening here? Because he's the one who signed the letter firing Stephen Seamus. Well, so he's been there for just a little bit. Who's to say, and this is a complete speculation on my part, yeah. so I don't, want, I don't want anybody thinking that, I'm, I'm, I, that I know more than I do. What if Mata realizes 
this is going on. Nobody's doing anything about it. He's going to go in and and start cleaning things up. Well, it depends on how it depends on how well this was hidden. Because if if you're already recognizing the fact, because we talked about this before and we talked about this today, running cons is expensive. Yes, and maintaining a profit and. This is something that a lot of people who start conventions don't seem to realize. We see this happen all the time. A convention starts up, it runs for a couple of years, it mm -hmm. folds, right? Because it is very, very hard to maintain it and make money and not kill your half kill kill yourself in the process. Well, the other thing too is if you get something. Well, like was it last year? Um, was it Albuquerque? Albuquerque Comic Con mm -hmm. is is its own thing. The Albuquerque Con. Now, Albuquerque Comic Con is part of the Wizard World operation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you look at Wizard World's list of conventions, there's something like 15 of them right. in various different uh, cities around the country. And you have to wonder at what point do you get to diminishing returns? Because, you're, like you said, it's very expensive to run a convention. Now you're running 15 conventions or 20 conventions or even three conventions. Where how how do you make a profit with that? How do you break even even? With well, that? you end up with some. I think you end up with what San Diego and New York have become, which is these big media events. We're bringing in studios and things like that, and it's less right. big, it's less a comic book convention and more. It's a media. Convention. Yeah, and this and the studios are footing these massive bills to have these big displays and and right. the booths, you know, six six thousand square feet of booth space or whatever for however much money. It's, it's the only way they can turn a profit, I would suspect. But you're also ending up with cons that are difficult to maneuver around. The price tag for somebody to go into it is very, very high. Yeah. Um, the average guest, uh, you need you need to have that average guest be spending money in a way that most cons can't actually get the average guest to spend. Right. Um, so, but the question, so why, why that, and again, complete speculation, what may have happened is, is they brought him on board. They sat there and went, okay, you're on board. And here's the financial situation we're looking at next year going, eh, we're down money. And they opened up, everybody opens up the books to figure out how they can save money or where, the, where things can go. And they find these, you know, discrepancies. We've been, we've been underpaying people to come in. Yeah. Um, we've been, you know, and that probably, I mean, if you're a, you're again, gonna, you're going to need a good set of accountants to this do this is stuff anyway. Pure speculation right. on no, our no, part. No, we're make no, sure no, that no. We're but, doing this. but in all, in all fairness to everybody involved, because, just because someone has been accused of a crime or a lawsuit has been engaged doesn't mm -hmm. mean he's guilty. Right. That's true. There's um, an allegation. There's an accusation that does not mean that there's but, you know, any truth. But um, the way these things generally work is when you're when you're running a company and you've got a financial situation where you're going, I don't know if we're going to be able to maintain this, mm -hmm. then you've got accountants who are going over your books to figure out where you can save money and where you can spend money and how you can do this. Right. And I would imagine that they have a uh, probably an outside firm. Most of these, you know, you get you when you're dealing in the millions of dollars. It's generally a good idea to have an outside accounting firm. Uh, you know, in-house ones can you know, there are some inherent problems with in-house accounting firms. That outside ones, there's a reason we have outside accounting firms. It's an unbiased viewpoint. It's yes. not you can, you know, it's not built-in desire to have the company succeed or fail. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's yeah. Well, now here's it, it gets it gets better, of course, or it gets worse mm -hmm. depending on on your point of view. Also, Heidi McDonald and Comics Beat. Uh, this is November twenty third, where uh, you know November twenty second we have Newsarama saying uh, that Wizard World is not going to have the money for twenty seventeen. Right. 
November 23rd, Heidi McDonald has this article. Ever since Wizard World's lawsuit against former CMO Stephen Seamus was made public, you can bet there's been a lot of gossip flying about the company's finances. This week's SEC filing with the quarterly report did nothing to end that, with a deadpan announcement that there was not enough cash on hand to fund operations after December. This backed up rumors we've been hearing that the New York City office had been closed down with employees told to work at home. Hmm. You guys, if you have rumors, share them with us. Tell us. Um, um, we're, we'll take them. We'll report them. As rumors. As rumors. Yeah. Baseless, unconfirmed rumors. Um, asked to comment, a Wizard World spokesman wrote that the remaining New York employees are still with Wizard World, which didn't contradict that part of the story. Reportedly, no. the New York office was very small and located in expensive Times Square real estate. Is there any other kind? At a smaller, more economical office will be opened eventually, which kind of goes along with the, you know, we're, we're re-looking re at all of our ex expenses and finances and everything else. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are a genre anything, comic book company or convention company or anything, uh -huh. you do not need to be in Times Square. No. Um, <laughs> no. Ask DC about that. Oh, my God. Oh, wait. That's so insane. That's insane. it says here, we all, we've also learned from multiple sources that the Pittsburgh Wizard World show was less than stellar. Quote, a disaster. The Pittsburgh show is not on the schedule for 2017. Also, the talent booking staff has been reorganized following Seamus's departure. Well, sure. I would imagine that some of the people that were on that booking staff who are no longer on that booking staff are going to be named John Doe. Quite possibly. And maybe or, a John Doe. Or Witness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the most alarming, um, the most, <laughs> I've only had one cup of coffee. Folks. The most alarming part of the SEC filing is as follows. Um, oh, this gets into the same thing with the, mm -hmm. the 2 million and the 15 million. So we only have 2 million and we owe 15 million. How do you, how do you run a company like that? All right. Into the ground. 19 shows in 2016. Yeah expects to run 16 shows in 2017. I don't think they're going to run 16. Had a net profit of $365,000 in the first nine months of 2016. So, you know, comparatively speaking, mm -hmm. that's not a lot. If you, if you have, if you have two and a half million mm -hmm. and you owe 15 million mm -hmm. and your profit is only 350,000, well, You're kind of behind the eight ball there. But look at that. 2016, that was a 365000 In 2015, it was 754000 Right. Which means they're not making as much money, but... It's almost half. As, that's yeah. almost half. Yeah. So there's that. Then, <laughs> December 5th, Newsarama. Uh, they have reached an agreement. Now, uh, you remember, they were, they were refinancing, mm -hmm. and they were restructuring, and they're trying to find money and whatever. Uh, this, uh, this article out of Newsarama, uh, Wizard World's reached an agreement with Bristol Investment Fund Limited to provide an unspecified amount of working capital for existing operations and for the creation of new vertical operating units, whatever that means. Uh, we've got through here, you know, it's a, it's a rehash of the, of the, you know, the money situation and whatnot. Bristol is one of Wizard World's largest stakeholders. 
Earlier this year, its portfolio manager, Paul Kessler, was installed as chairman of the convention company's board. So you have the chairman of the board, and his company throws in an undocumented, unreported amount of money for operating capital for the convention for Wizard World. Mm -hmm. This doesn't seem shady at all, does it? Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, uh, it but, could be protect your investment. Yeah, but um, well, yeah. Uh, or 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 you know, now, John, think, John think you have a way is, to make a profit. Yeah, on it John too. Mata is quoted on here. He says the investment by Bristol ensures the company's ability to aggressively move forward into 2017 and beyond. The second half of 2016 was a reset and rebuilding period during which the company moved aggressively to professionalize its operations and systems while ma while containing costs and greatly enhancing the entertainment value at its shows. The company is being actively converted from a mom-and-pop roadshow carnival culture into a significant live event and entertainment company. Now, what that tells me right there is we're not going to do it like setting up shop in the hotel room anymore sure you know for him to throw shade at the mom and pop convention culture and they want a professional they want to get it he wants to make wizard world into a into another san diego very easily that's what it sounds that, like that does what it sounds like no there is a couple of things you need to, to also bear in mind here this happens in a lot of companies uh i was a book dealer for for 15 years and 10 of those years was as a, a manager for borders when and yes, you'll know borders does not exist anymore. There, you can take this too far. Um, borders started off as a, borders start off started off as a used bookstore, yeah. And it grew. One of the reasons that it grew is because it developed an inventory tracking system, which at the time was cutting edge. Nobody had inventory tracking like they did, and they actually marketed their inventory tracking system out to other bookstores, um, and this enabled them to grow as a company. Now, for years, borders was run by the people who ran the smaller used bookstore and the smaller growths when the little expansion two or three four or five stores so book people book people right and there comes a point when you get big and we were store 122 the store that i worked at um it wasn't actually the 122nd store because company numbering yeah. never makes sense yeah but what ends up happening is that you reach a point where you have to stop running your business like a single store. Mm -hmm. And you then start turning it into a corporate structure. Now for a while, that works running it as a single store, the same way you would run a single store. Right. You've got a bunch of stores, they all have your name on them, they're essentially independent. They're, I mean, they're, everybody's linked. Like franchises. But you're, but you're running it, you know, you own them all, but you're running it like it's a, you know, each one is running with their own operation system, yeah. to some degree. Once you start connecting those and becoming the big corporate behemoth, whether you're Barnes and Normal or Borders or a movie theater company or a convention or anything like that, you've got to start dealing with your financials in a way that addresses the fact of the scale. Mm -hmm. And if you take it too far and lose sight of who you are, you go out of business, Borders. Um, Blockbuster. Because they forgot they were a bookstore. Yeah. And they, the last several years, the people who were running it were clothing store people and shoe store people who have no concept of what the market is. Yeah. They know what the numbers say, but they lacked the actual vision for what the company was supposed to be. And when you look at uh, the, the description of mom and pop, um, you think um, 
Tokyo and Tulsa or Smallville Comic Con. Mm -hmm. Smallville Comic Con is probably a, a really good example of that. Hutchinson, Kansas, where you're only expecting maybe eight or nine hundred people and two thousand people show up. But and if it's, Wizard, you know, this if, little tiny little thing that if is they're still run, if they were still running Wizard World cons like they were running a con when you're running seventeen cons, right? You can't do that. Financially, that's the recipe for disaster. So if he says, if that's what he means, and we don't know, by the way, no. but if that's what he means when he's talking about mom and pop, which could easily be the case, if they're running it like it's a small operation when you're on the scale that they've been operating on, they're setting themselves up for failure, period, leaving well, aside somebody stealing from them. And that could very well be one of the reasons why they're, they're bleeding money is because nobody's keeping track of where it's all going. Not, well, clearly, not, if if, if not someone, efficiently. If, if someone is... If someone is allegedly stealing a million dollars worth of product from them, yeah. they're not keeping track of where it's going. Right. Now, this develops further of course. into an article, uh, article December 1st. This is from Benzinga.com. I do not know who Benzinga is. I think it's a financials I, okay. type of thing. Jarek Media Holdings. A digital media and technology company announced today the company is interested in pursuing a potential acquisition of Wizard World, Inc. Mm -hmm. So let's restructure this thing and sell it and get rid of it. Jarek has recently launched six digital media verticals on its new vocal content distribution platform, including Geeks, which dives into the storied worlds of Comic-Cons, video games, movies, comic books, and TV. The company believes there are many synergies... Between its new vocal platform and Wizard World's Comic-Con convention business that can leverage the value of both companies. Now, in one of the other articles, they were talking about expanding Wizard World into vertical things. Right. Yeah, yeah. Not quite sure what that means because a horizontal expansion, I guess for lack of a better word, would be more conventions. A vertical expansion would be... Maybe you're, you're move, mobile apps. Yeah, you're or, moving, into, you're moving you know, into different aspects. Instead merchandise of physical, yeah, or stuff like that, I guess. So um, Jarek founder Jeremy Fromer, after conducting a careful re review of Wizard World and after having, an ex having had extensive internal discussions with our management team and board of directors, we are excited to attempt to open substantive dialogue with Wizard World. We believe this could be a potential win-win scenario for both companies, and we look forward to discussing our vision with Wizard World's management team in the near future. Now, this doesn't necessarily say that they're buying Wizard World. It says they're interested in buying Wizard World. Right, and to some degree, for Wizard World, this could be a very, very good thing in the fact that if your financials are to the point where you're basically bleeding money, you want to keep growing, Somebody else wants to come in and give you the money to do it because they think there's a potential for profit there. Right. This is a way to keep your company around. However. However. Because I guess there's more. <laughs> there's more. But wait. There's but more. Wait, if you call now, you too can receive it. Absolutely no. It's a charge. Hide at McDonald again, December 6th. A squid hat. Squid hat. Well, see, and, and that's what it is. These are all tentacles of, of the course, story. It's right? business. Rob Salkowitz has an analysis of the current financial maneuvers at Wizard World, including the $2.5 million financing by Chairman Paul Kessler. Since our understanding of finances extends to the level of Starbucks is more expensive at airports, you might enjoy his analysis. So he's quoting from, Don't buy Starbucks you know, at airports, guys. I mean, just don't. Wizard, okay. Don't buy Starbucks. No, Wizard has no. borrowed Starbucks nearly $2.5 million dollars from an entity. Or pretzels at airports. 
They're so expensive. They are. They, I mean, like, that is the most expensive pretzel in the history of pretzels. Anything in an airport is expensive. No, good lord, you got to take out a loan to buy a. And take off your shoes to do it. Exactly. All right. So to summarize, Wizard has borrowed nearly $2.5 from an entity owned by its board chairman in a deal that could provide the financier with a vastly enhanced ownership stake. It has done this to address a cash crunch caused in part by over-aggressive investment in non-performing assets like ConTV and comic books. You remember ConTV, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Because that was supposed to be the whole convention video thing right, yeah, that uh-huh. uh, that Bruce Campbell was part of. Right. Uh, and by an overambitious slate of conventions, but also because of curious moves by management like prepaying two years of rent to move offices into a building also owned by board chairman Kessler last summer and exposing itself to litigation because of the way it handled Stephen Seamus's ouster. Uh, continuing here, Salkowitz uh, also digs a bit more into the proposed takeover bid by Jarek Media Holdings, which was announced on the 1st. Mm-hmm. An, exp- an inspection of Jarek's finances reveals a company that is superficially ill-prepared to offer a bid on Wizard. The firm's most recent quarterly filing shows less than $16,000 cash on hand against more than $6.7 million in liabilities, posting a net operating loss of over $900,000. So you have another company operating at a loss, wanting to buy a company operating at a loss. Folks, I have about I have less than sixteen thousand dollars on hand. Please give me a company. I'm I'm all on board with this. <laughs> well, you and I have talked. <laughs> we have one in mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so it, it just I mean it just starts getting really, really, really stupid at this point. December 9th. Um. This is out of Bleeding Cool again. Mm-hmm. Stephen Seamus names names in a case against Wizard World. Should so we get coffee at this point? Uh, yeah, I, I think, think we, we should more coffee. get coffee. Yeah, yes. Is... So we will we will get into the details of the countersuit when we return. Yeah, we're gonna name names. Dun, dun, dun. We need to get the we need to get the uh, lawn Bum, bum. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need. You're listening to H2O on Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Jedi, Sith, Tauntauns, no matter which side of the Force you claim, we are your go-to holocron for all the latest Star Wars news, rumors, and innuendo. Imperial Intelligence has got nothing on us. We've got your salacious crumbs every other Sunday at 6 p.m. Central U.S. exclusively on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Sci-Fi for Me.com, your portal to the science fiction multiverse. And may the Force be with you. I'm meteorologist Brian Busby. If you're traveling to a convention this weekend, especially if you're a cosplayer, it helps to know what the weather's going to be like. Rain and fur don't mix very well, now do they? That's why every week Sci-Fi for Me gives you the weather forecast for every city hosting a convention. Those we have on our list anyway. And that's worldwide, not just in the United States. It's part of our commitment to bring you content you won't find anywhere else. Just click on the Conventions tab over at SciFiForMe.com, your portal to the science fiction multiverse. Podcasting is our superpower. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Back on H2O discussing the curious case of Wizard World. The curious case of the con in the nighttime. Ah, man. All right, so up until this point, we've been talking about all of the... the, um, legal and financial 
issues uh, related to Wizard World. Wizard World filed a lawsuit against their former chief marketing officer, Stephen Seamus. Mm -hmm. And this article now from December 9th in Bleeding Cool. Now, think what you will of Rich Johnston because he has his detractors. Sure. There are people who think that Rich is a hack. I don't know. Whatever. You know what? But, here's a, fans, fans are some of the most vocal. And volatile. And volatile. Biggest supporters, biggest detractors. You can mm. have, if you are... If you are in with the fans, you are beloved in a way that few people can ever hope to be. And if you, if they I have could turned only against you, hope to be beloved by fans one of these days. Um, but if they turn against you, oh yeah, it gets ugly real fast. So, yes. so if we are beloved by any of our fans, let us know. We're H2O beloved by, we're at, beloved at by at least one. Yeah, <laughs> one, one fan, one fan loves us. Yes, uh, thank but, you, Ray. Thank you, Ray. But it, you know. In all in all fairness to people like Rich, um, they show up and they do the job. Yep. All right. So this job, this article, mm-hmm. December 9th, it just keeps getting better and better. So Stephen Seamus uh, has offered a deposition of people he expects to be calling for his case. So I guess um, a list of people he expects to call as witnesses mm-hmm. right. on his side in order either either depose them or, or in court sure. or whatever. And the list has – I'm not going to go through all of them, but Paul Kessler, of course, is the, is the first one. John Mata, Randy Malinoff, who's the chief operating officer. Uh, it says here um, – it's a wizard world who's who. Paul Kessler, chairman of the board, knowledge of, shame, of the Seamus contract and money's due and owing there under – that's all a bunch of legalese. Uh, he's this is this is stuff he expects to find out from these particular people. Well, in this particular case, there's that that claim that of course there was a contract, the 2011 right. contract that says I should be being paid this much, and you guys haven't paid it to me. So right. therefore, that's the money's due and owing there under. Yes, and that's the same as listed here on John Mata, um, Randy Melanoff, chief operating officer, Vadim Matt, board member. Um, Gregory Seuss, board member, Kenny Seamus, board member, who's also one of Stephen Seamus' brothers, mm-hmm. uh, Jordan Schur, nominated board member, Joseph Lukowski, legal counsel to Wizard World, uh, John Macaluso, former CEO and chairman of the board. I wonder how former he is because that had, like like we said earlier, this you know John Mata coming in as CEO, that had to have been recent. Uh, Garib Seamus, who's the former CEO and founder of Wizard. Uh, so, I mean, it just goes on. Shareholders and vice presidents of business affairs and CEOs. Uh, the recurring thing here is that these people are controller. with knowledge, and this is some of this is in quotations, with knowledge that he was not stealing from the company. Right. The financial situation of the company. Talent these coordinators. These structures, how these things were broken down, how <laughs> yep. fans were, how, how these guests were brought in. And how their contracts are structured. So basically, what he's saying is these people all have information about how we did things, and therefore, yeah. um, his his uh, his claim, what he believes he should be paid in damages, according to this article in Bleeding Cool. Right, it's kind of. And I don't have I don't we don't have a documentation here, so I don't uh, I don't have a link to the formal documents. Um, not that I can find anyway. Uh, 
So uh, unpaid salary, $232,000. Unpaid bonuses, $151,000. Severance, $262,000. Six-month salary, $20,000. Subtotal, $665,000 with commissions and interest and attorney fees and other relief to be determined. So Seamus is there. They're going, no, no, no. You owe me money. Wizard World is saying, no, no, no. You stole from us. Nobody's going to come out looking good in this you know what i'm i'm sitting there looking at that and that's like five hundred thousand dollars in salaries and bonuses alone yeah, yeah I, I wonder why i wonder why some of these conventions are so expensive and oh wait not the only employee um can you imagine? Can you imagine how much each of those people are getting paid? I wonder what the budget for San Diego looks like, okay. or New York, so well, or Salt Lake. A, a couple, of, a couple of things on scale, financial scale here. We are in the Midwest. We are in Kansas City. Uh -huh. the The cost of living here is considerably lower than New York, right? It is or LA, or, or, LA or, yeah. or or it's less than Chicago. It's less than Dallas. It's less. I mean, you know, it's yeah, right. Okay, we're we happen to be in a nice little spot. This is actually a good place to do kind of what we do. We can do what we do without a lot of money or any money. Patreon.com slash sci-fi for me. But so and having been to New York, I, I got a chance to go to New York a couple of years ago um, for the first time. Has it been that long yes. already? A uh, year and a half. A year oh, and a half it's been wow, since I went to New York. Um, and I loved it there. I had a great time. It was wonderful. I, I could I, I could very easily see me living in New York. Uh-huh. On the streets, because <laughs> under I couldn't the, afford under the Twelfth Street Bridge. I couldn't afford to live there. Yeah, but it's so the expense. I mean, you look at the the cost of renting. You know, we're talking about having offices at Times Square. If you're in New York, if you're on Manhattan Island, the cost of everything is high. Now, food, food, and getting around in a cab was relatively inexpensive. I was actually like, oh, this is easy enough. But as a, the, it would be the place to live, and I have friends who live outside, uh, live over in Brooklyn. And they pay twice what I pay here for an apartment that's smaller than mine. And I do not have a big apartment. Um, and it's a relatively nice little neighborhood. But so it's, it's, an expensive, it's an expensive place to live. So your cost, what people get paid in New York City. Right. You know, there are baristas in New York who I think make more than I do. <laughs> but that's, the difference is, is that I live in a fairly decent apartment. And I drive a fairly decent car. And I'm... You know, I can live off what I make. They are scraping by, yeah, because of the, of the cost of things. So, scale is important to bear in mind. A twenty, a two hundred thousand dollar paycheck, uh, you know, a yearly paycheck in New York is, you know, it's not as much money mm -hmm. to them as a two hundred thousand dollar paycheck here would be. Right now, that said, if you can't live in New York off two hundred thousand dollars. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Well, and and on that, uh, see, I didn't realize too, and, and this could have something to do with how much money is is g passing hands back and forth. Wizard World is a publicly traded company. Mm -hmm. uh, there are penny stocks, and on the same day that we get this article about Seamus and his his expectations of who he's going to call for his side, right. we have a business. Uh, what's What's on Thorold, I guess, is a financial analysis stock market website. 
And uh, it says, could Wizard World Incorporated skyrocket from here? Wizard World, the abbreviation W-I-Z-D, if those of you want to look at it, it's uh, penny stocks mm -hmm. trading on the uh, Wall Street. Interested investors have been looking for information on shares of Wizard World Incorporated after the stock moved $0.003, hitting the $0.2, so $0.20 cents price amount, a price point in a recent trade. So, I, I, what? I don't know. So, in, it's the latest price. Let's analyze how the stock has been doing recently. In the past year, Wizard World's stock was a big mover. According to the short interest report published recently, they had 19,300 shorted shares for 0.1 days to cover. Now, I'm reading all of this stuff, and it's all Greek gibberish. I have no idea what any of this stuff means. I will be the first to admit, I don't, I don't understand this stuff. But... It's. It seems like there've been a lot of activity on Wizard World stock at the moment. Well, but activity activity when you're dealing with with penny stocks. With penny stocks. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. It's. I, I think that the difference. This this might probably wouldn't even be a story if there hadn't been the other things going along with it. If be this well, kind of I'm wondering. See, I'm wondering if that's doing it. If if you have people that are looking at this and saying, oh. Well, this company th is thinking about buying Wizard World. Mm -hmm. Maybe the value of the stock isn't going to go up. So I'm going to sell it off or I'm going to buy stock or I'm going to do whatever. Yeah, but you're, not looking, at, you're looking at such – I mean I could go buy stock in Wizard World right now with the money Maybe in we my should do that. pocket. Maybe we should do and that. And get several shares. Maybe we should do that. Hostile takeover. <laughs> yeah, hostile takeover. That's You're not all the, out. To remove operations to Kansas City. You that's, guys are that's not the one I want. So yeah, but Jason, honestly, if we I could know. if we could do it and have the Wizard brand and be. <laughs> There's another brand. I know. I know. There's I know, another I know, brand. I'm just that saying I that, that I would because and this is this is the sad thing. This is the really sad thing for me, is that Wizard was, in many ways, the brand. Toy Fair magazine. Uh -huh. Remember Toy Fair magazine? I do. The best toy magazine, genre yeah, well, toy magazine out there. You know, that was a Wizard publication. Wizard, see, that's that's the thing. That's you know, we get into you know, sounding like you know back in the day, but back in the day, you had you know the Wizard publications, the Starlog publications. Those were the definitive titles yeah. for all of this stuff. It's like. Um, you know, you have you have the price guide for the comic books. Mm -hmm, sure. Um, uh, the name of that escapes me at the moment. Uh, See, now fine. you did it. Now I know, oh, I know. Oh. But you have the price guide. Comics buyers guide. Yeah, comics buyers guide. Thank you. So you had that. That was hard. <laughs> I'm I'm old. You're intelligent old. human beings. I swear to I'm God. I'm old and I'm in pain. So uh, yeah, we haven't even gotten into why I'm in pain. Why we're why we're late recording. <sighs> So we, they, they locked you outside of the stadium. No, well, no, they actually put you to the fight. They put me. They put me. No, I didn't even know about the fight till I, I read either. about it this morning. I know. Two I, days later. So we'll I'm talk about at, that in a minute. Yeah. So I'm at. Uh, yeah. So so Wizard and Starlog and you know those those titles that they published at that point in the time in the day that was all we had and. You know, we didn't have all of, you know, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have electronic versions of any of this stuff. We didn't have sci-fi for me. We didn't have Newsarama or Bleeding Cool or Ain't It Cool or any of those things. 
And if you had any kind of magazine at all that was written by fans, you know, 1985 sci-fi for me would have been printed on paper, mm -hmm. run off a mimeograph machine. I mean, it would have been it would have been the stinky purple ink and would have been handed out to about 25 well, people who spent we, five cents for if, it. If we had enough money, we'd go down to, to Kinko's or CopyCo. Yeah. And print off 100 copies of the thing, and then we'd mail it out once a month. Exactly. Patreon.com <laughs> slash Do you want to go really retro? We will. We will. We, oh, that, you know, we should, we should, we do, should a do a retro, just one, yeah. one issue a year. Mm-hmm. A retro. And we articles. take our best, yeah, yeah, our best things, and we print That'd it up. That would actually be kind of cool. For what? A, do a dollar? 50 cents? Well, we, could, we, could, we could crunch the numbers, but it'd probably be in that ballpark. Or we yeah. do like DC Comics, four ninety nine for 24 pages. The market's been doing that for a long time. It's not a new thing. The days of the twenty-five cent comic book are long gone. What would you? What would you? You, those of you who are listening, if you had, if you had any interest at all in a best of collection from us, what would you pay for it? Hmm. What would you think would be reasonable? Would you buy for? that for a dollar? Would you buy well, for a dollar? Of course, I'd buy that. That could be our. That could be the little Would thing. You? There you go. Sci-fi for me. Best of news. I'll buy. Please buy this for a dollar. Right? Well, so, and, and and you look at how recently some of this stuff has changed. We forget, for all the fact that you and I joke about how old we are. The fact of the matter is, is that so much of this stuff has changed very, very quickly and very, very recently. Yeah. When I moved to Kansas City in two thousand and five, the internet was around, but the growth we've seen in the last decade. Mm -hmm. In genre stuff, oh, yeah. in in online sales and online marketing. I mean, digital editions of comic books were not a thing ten years ago, right? So you, for all the joking and the and the and the you know, old man porch grousing stuff we do, um, it has changed a lot in a very short period of time. If it you has. are if you have become a fan of comic books since the Marvel movies came out. If this is your introduction to the world, yeah, it's you, a much different landscape now than it 10 was ten years ago. Twenty years, years ago, yeah, and it it the idea that somehow you could have a San Diego Comic Con or a New York Comic Con being the scale that they are ten years ago. Well, San Diego started off as a comic book convention in a hotel, right? The same as same as any of the any of the others. So I mean, it's and it's easier for some of these folks because they're at media centers. You know, right. New York is a media center. Um, um, you know, Chicago, L.A., San Diego. These are all places where the stars are right there. Right. You, know, you call up somebody's agent. They say, "Yeah, I'll drive over." You know, yeah, that must be nice. His apartment's down the street from where you're having the con. Yeah, he'll yeah. come by. He'll swing by that afternoon. Yeah, it's just, just a walk. Yeah. yeah, but the idea that you would have this sort of scale because you also didn't have the explosion in media. That we have now, right? Ten years ago, twenty years ago. Well, and the studios, you know, the studios weren't looking at it as a marketing opportunity back then. They didn't see it until I—I I don't even know if it was maybe Batman or if it was Spider-Man or whatever. Uh, one of those beginning films in the early days of the of the current big massive push on on superhero stuff, whether it was you know th that or 
it wasn't as late as Iron Man because San Diego was already big. Yeah, but bear in mind that Iron Man, the film that basically kicked off the current wave of superhero films mm. in a way that the X-Men movies did not, in the way that the Spider-Man movies did not. 2008. Yeah. It was not that long ago. But uh, you have to make allowances for the Batman movies that Tim Burton made because that was, what, 1989? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. But the, but the difference is, is that we never got the catching on the, yeah, the, the, the catch scale that we got, right? right? So Marvel's marketing plan turned out to be the thing that actually made it all work. I mean, right. you you could have... So both Spider-Man and, Star, and, and X-Men did the two good films, Crash and Burn on the on the third film mm -hmm. because they all fell victim to studio decision-making interference um, call it what it is well in the case well see, in the case of spider-man 3 it definitely certainly was. in the case of spider-man 3 but in the case of of the third x-men movie it was i think a little more the fact that the person who was supposed to be directing the film was off doing superman returns right and that kind of broke it right there from go because yeah. the person who actually had the the unifying vision and the unifying storytelling thing that was going on could if he had worked with the same script i don't think singer could have saved it anymore that but it certainly would have been not the mess that it was right it would have been a different kind of mess i'm sure but even with the success of those films it wasn't until iron man that the explosion hit yeah so again the scale of where things are and the growth that we've seen um, is is still within the last decade, twenty years. I mean, right. that's, and, that's a huge. That's, and there's still, a big yeah, and there's still not the the proliferation of fandom outside of the movies and TV mm -hmm. is not really there yet. So you may have people that are picking up a comic book for the very first time in their lives after one after seeing one of these movies, but the comic book market. Mm -hmm. has not expanded all that much in all of this. I mean, it's, it's probably gotten a little bit bigger. But your diehard comic book fans were diehard comic book fans before the movies came sure. out. So, you know, it, you know, like you say, it's a question of scale. So these conventions, and Wizard World especially is, is one of the bigger ones, these conventions are tapping into the Hollywood movies and TV synergy, let's mm -hmm. use that word, that if it's just a comic book convention, you're not going to have. You know, you look at even, well, Smallville Comic Con, we've mentioned that one before. Right. It's down in Hutchinson, Kansas. It's a tiny, little, small convention. It's just, I think this 2017 will be its third year. Mm -hmm. Small, Smaller convention, but they've had some pretty good guests. Katrina Law's been down there. Billy right. D. Williams has been there. Um, so it's, it's on the radar for celebrities. Mm-hmm. And it's small enough that the expectations are low, and you know it's it's a mom and pop, but it's not. I mean, it's run really well. I I've been very impressed with with how well it's done, and you hear the vendors talk. Mm -hmm. See, this is this is where it gets into it because we haven't even talked about what vendors think about all of these, because some some conventions have gotten so expensive to actually attend. On the vendor side, right. paying for a booth space to be at San Diego, there are, I mean, Mile High Comics in Denver, they've pulled out of San Diego Comic Con altogether. Right. It's, it's not expensive. It's, it's too expensive. We can't make any, we can't make any money. Mm -hmm. 
because everybody that's at San Diego is not there to buy a comic book. They're over there to see, right. you know, X and so whoever's star celebrity person that's on the other side of the building. So, you know, the vendors at uh, Smallville, the first year that they opened, uh, I heard a few of them. They were out on a smoke break. Mm-hmm. And I heard them talking about the fact that they had made more sales at Smallville than they had at any of the bigger conventions that they've been at. Mm-hmm. Because there is that focus on, you know, you know, bringing in the vendors, but there's that, that focus on the the vendors being part of the operation. And, then, right. and, you know, people go in there and they're not there to see, you know, yeah, they may be there to see Billy Dee Williams or, uh, you know, Kathy Garver or, you know, so, and yes, they're not, you know, mega million star William Shatner level things but uh you know billy d williams is is not an inconsequential star yeah yeah well and and there's a there's a tension right here between the 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 guests the vendors the artists the cosplayers right the fans yes cosplay is ruining all the conventions all of this stuff <laughs> is, all this stuff is being pulled back and forth and finding the balance because the people who go there, look, you have to, you have to make it affordable for the people who are attending the con. Mm-hmm. A two hundred dollars price tag for three three days is more than a lot of people can bear. Yeah. Um, the and and that goes for the vendors as well. The booth space, you know, if you're looking right. at two hundred and fifty three hundred dollars and you only make fifty bucks, and it, for some yeah. of these cons, we're talking a lot more than that. Yeah. Um, but you go to these. There's travel expenses. There's the fact that you're you're marking up, and everybody knows you're marking up your product at a con. A little bit. That's yeah. a, that's 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 just a sta- standard practice. Everybody knows that. It's mm-hmm. all cool because it's not like a ridiculous market. But on Sundays, they'll slash their prices down pretty low. So if you want to wait, blah blah blah. Well, because they don't want to haul it all home. Exactly. So you've got these things where, but if it's too expensive to take your thing out there, to take your whatever it is you're selling out there. Mm. And you're going to lose money on the deal. You're not going to come back. I because saw most of these folks, most comic book stores, most comic book vendors, most um, genre product vendors, most anything. Again, you're not making huge amount. None of these people are getting rich off running these businesses. Yeah, I saw Rhonda Udaly, who is a small indie author. Mm-hmm. We've interviewed her a couple of different times for uh, the Redheads of the Apocalypse series uh she has she i think it was either on facebook or twitter at one point had said that dallas comic-con now that you know read pop or pop expo or whoever out of out of canada now owns dallas mm-hmm. right it's gotten too expensive for her to participate yeah she's like i i can't afford the booth space anymore because now it's now it's a thing you know it's right. you know it's not just dallas comic-con anymore it's it's expo show pop expo thing so, you know, she's looking at the smaller conventions mm-hmm. where you're, there's going to be a better chance of one-on-one FaceTime with the with the people who are attending the show because they're actually there to see the comic book people and the authors and, and that sort of thing. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that. And that could be one of the reasons why Wizard World has run into so much problems with the with the money situation is like you say, the, the cost to attend a show. You know, I I don't want to pay sixty or seventy dollars 
to get into a convention and then not be able to to buy anything else. Well, not only that, but you look at this is there's a balancing act between running these things to make money and running these things to grow. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the idea is, I mean, if you if your goal is only to ever have a thousand people at your convention, then great, fantastic, you know. Uh, that seems like a very strange business model, but it also is something that, that's viable. You can sit there and go, okay, we're only going to worry about a thousand people, we all, and we can have this guest and that guest, and we're only going to have a thousand people. Right. But nobody does that. The idea is that you want to be bigger next year. You want to be. You want to have more of a profit next year. Mm-hmm. You don't want your, or be less in the red next year because a lot of these conventions yeah. naturally run in the red. Well, and, and that's just their, that's actually the business model is that you're actually in the red most of the year. And a lot of them, you're in the red for four or five years before you start turning a right. profit. And the idea is that eventually you're going to make money on the deal. Um, maybe not a lot, but enough to keep operating. Right. But the thing is, is that you, if you reach a point where you are not attracting, if people, if vendors don't want to show up and guests can't afford it, You've grown so big to the point where you're talking about splinting your conventions off into a media convention and a comic book convention. Like New York did. Like New York. Um, you're, you've gotten to the point where you're doing something wrong. And it seems like some of these folks aren't learning from each other. They're not looking at places like New York where they're splitting things off and go, hey, Although, it's gotten too unwieldy to function as a one thing. Well, see, I'm, I, I don't know that that's the situation for New York. Because the impression that I got just from seeing a bunch of online discussion, and if anybody is involved in New York, you could let us know. Sure. Um, the impression that I got is that New York split the convention into two mainly to address audience concerns. The people that were attending, there were complaints that New York had gotten too Hollywood, too overbalanced Hollywood and not enough comic book. So what they did was they said, okay, we're going to we're going to try to satisfy everybody by splitting it mm-hmm. and have the Hollywood stuff here for the Hollywood fans and have the comic book thing over here for the comic book fans. Right. They're basically uh, splitting the concentration and the focus not because it got too big, but because the the market, the audience had split to the point where well but i think one one or the other is not being served and enough that's so really that what i mean when i say no. too big because i mean if, if you if you're if your physical footprint and the scale of what you're doing is is always working then you're not too big but i don't think well i, I mean no if, if it's working then you're not too big. I mean, well, that's, you, is, yeah, is, but your def- your definition dangerous. of your definition of working. Well, yeah, but in this particular case, it wasn't working because you right. had enough people complaining that it wasn't right. You know, so it it became too big in its current format. So splitting it up that way, in theory, and who knows if it's going to ultimately work out. I I haven't seen any you know cries of disaster yet. So well, but I think that I think they've been doing you, it, what two years now. I think I think you need to. The advantage of running thing like a mom and pop, that's there's there's a certain tendency in the once you get past a certain amount of money to, to view mom and pop as sort of a negative. It's mm-hmm. a rinky dink operation. It's a mom and pop thing. It's yes. you know, it's like who do they think they are? Some sort of you know. It's like well, okay, they've got the, they've got their fingers on everything. So, they know whatever so they know everything that's happening. As rinky dink as we are, are you and I the mom and pop? <laughs> Which one of us is a mom? And which one is? Pop? Well, we established that you're doing the Sailor Moon costume. So that's no, 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 we've not. We have not established any such thing. 
I, we have uh, it. it. There is documentation on this now. It's on video. No, no, no. no. I never agreed to it. See, that's the thing is you can you. you can sit there and say me and the interns outnumber you. You've made the statement, but I never agreed me to it. Me and that. the intern and the dog. We all uh, outnumber you. The dog doesn't have a voice. All right, we will continue to monitor the Wizard World (laughs) circumstance. I don't know if they're going to actually have all of the shows that they say they're going to have in 2017. I honestly don't see how they can. I honestly don't either. I just I don't think that especially in the middle of all of this, even if even if money fell out of the sky, they found the briefcase full of, you know, (laughs) patreon.com sci-fi for me. But even if even if the, you know, that that company came in and bought them up and said, hey, we're going to we understand we're going to fix all this for you. Here's all the money. It would be, it'd be a huge undertaking. Well, not only that, it would just be. I think it'd just be foolish. I think honestly, at this point, with everything swirling around them, mm. it would make sense. And of course, no one has consulted me. I, I do not. I, I speak purely from a complete outsider looking at this. Um, it would make sense to me to actually scale back just to make sure that everything's in order. Yeah, and cut, cut cut your number of shows in half. If you want to build back up to that, fine. But but get your house in order now and say, yeah. and, and get all of this away from you. Get yeah, this behind you. Because if they're if they're restructuring and they want to professionalize and whatever else, yeah, whatever you know, other other you know catchphrases they want to use, you you scale back. You know, cut cut the number of shows in half. Say. And put them in markets where it's not as expensive to be in a space. For the love of God, move out of Man- move your offices out of Manhattan. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's the first thing. Cut your costs, um, trim your operating staff to what you need in order to run it effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be that could be another part of the problem. You know, you get something like Planet Comic Con. There are a lot of volunteers. Mm-hmm. There are not too many paid staff. So maybe Wizard World has too many paid staff up top, and it's gotten top-heavy with salaries, and maybe that needs to be trimmed back. Again, it's pure speculation. Don't know exactly how this is going. So you figure out some way to manage your costs. You manage your expenses. You cut down how much money is going out. And right now you do it very transparently because I think that, that yeah. one of the things that's all this stuff swirling around, all the, the blowback that's happening from every different direction or it might be happening, is because like many companies, none of this is none of this is transparent. And it's generally speaking, you don't necessarily want your finances to be transparent. Right. But when you're in it's gonna be. It's gonna be a lawsuit. I mean somebody's getting sued. You know, yeah, it's, it's, matter, gonna, it's it, gonna be a matter of public record at some point. So you might as well just sit there and, and figure out a way to make it at least, at least on the way that you can tell, you can reassure the people who are investing in your company or going to your conventions mm-hmm. that the money is being handled responsibly. Because right now, with the suits back and forth, the question is, is it? And the answer seems to be, depending on your point of view, no. Well, so, the other question then is, if you've got all of this, if you've got all of this activity with the lawsuits, how much is that going to distract the Wizard World staff from actually running Wizard World? How much is this going to impact operations of the conventions, and what is that going to do? So, well, if yeah. you if you're uh, if you're not able to actually run your conventions because you're uh, doing an operating loss of how many millions, then yeah. well, it's going to impact them greatly because it's not going to be there. So, like I said, we will keep an eye on it. In the meantime, if you've got an opinion on all of this, or if you have some infi- inside information, if you want to tell us, you know, what's what going on, and again, if you want to share rumors. You're more than welcome to share rumors with us. H2O at sci fi for me.com, or you can leave a comment on all of our social media. 
And um, like I said, we will we will monitor yes. and uh, and keep you apprised of what's going on. In the meantime, uh, you can listen to our other podcast uh, on iTunes, podcast.com, and get the latest news at sci for mecom That's going to do it for us this week. Should we put the hats on before we go? No. For the folks at home with the video? I, I oh, don't come on. Know. Really? Yeah, we should put the hats on. Ah, right. So, for the folks so, of you, for those of you at home who are not watching the video, moose, moose, and squid, um, you're missing out. You're missing out. We'll see that it won't even it won't even show on the camera. Yeah, right, well, so there. Yeah. All right, moose and squid. Because we have great fans who do send us stuff and, and take yes. care of us. All right, we're doing this for you, Ray. We are, Ray. Thanks, Ray. All right. Okay, that's that's enough of that. So, all right. So uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, my name is Jason Hunt. I am Tim Harvey. On behalf of all of us here at Sci-Fi for Me Radio, thanks very much. We will be back next week. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2016 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio.